do we say Bye. goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> Substantially more giggling on this one. Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media and focused on the writing program at St. Louis University. Today's episode features a dialogue between Lindsay Adams, author of River Like Sin and winner of the 2016 Judith Barlow Prize, and Allison Moser, co-author of Useful and Necessary Ingredients, on applying their backgrounds in theater and playwriting in the rhetoric classroom. Hi, my name is Allison Moser, and I am here with... Hi, I'm Lindsay Adams, and we're going to be talking about performance and pedagogy today. So both of us come from theatrical backgrounds, um, and we wanted to talk a little bit about how you can actually use performance, both as a teacher and how you can use performance to help teach your students as well. So Allison, you just started teaching 1900 this semester. Can you talk to me a little bit about how performance has helped you as an instructor? Yeah, teaching 1900 has been a very uh, interesting experience so far. I'm still still learning the ropes, I feel. Uh, you know, it's my first semester. But at first, I almost thought of my per- background in performance as a hindrance in the classroom because typically as an actor, you're in front of an audience who, even if they didn't necessarily uh, choose to come to their you know, nephews, buddies, Shakespeare play, (laughs) Um, at least like paid for a ticket and like knows what they're in for and how long it'll last. Whereas, you know, teaching English 1900 students, they show up because they have to and they want to look at their phones the whole time (laughs) and they hate the class. (laughs) (laughs) You know, ideally they don't hate the class, but some of them will just walk in with that mentality. So it's hard to kind of reconcile my need to to have the audience appreciate me mm-hmm. um, in the <laughs> classroom sometimes. But, um, but ultimately, I think that sense of like audience awareness is very helpful as a professor, even just in the sense that I can generally tell when my students are scrolling through Facebook. Um, yeah, and when, it, when they're bored, when the attention is flagging. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it's maybe time to take a lap around the classroom, wake them up a little. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I, I think that audience awareness is helpful in a lot of ways both in that like you can tell when they're not paying attention or also when they're like confused or uh when students want to be saying something I, mm-hmm. I have a, a lot of shy students in my class who are so lovely and intelligent and have wonderful things to contribute but often they need me to direct a question right at their face mm-hmm. if they're gonna say <laughs> anything <laughs> Yeah, and you talked about um, like when you come into the theater, you like know what you're in for, kind of like even yeah. if you don't really want to be there, you kind of know what the rules are. And I feel like what happens is that students don't actually know what the rules are. Like like yes. they're coming into college and they don't necessarily know what the rules of this new classroom is, and it's sort of them getting used to that. So like having students who are really struggling with discussion, I think what students don't realize is that is that discussion is just rehearsal for your writing 
I think they think of it as something totally different. So they don't know why it's in why it's in a composition class. So like, why are we discussing? Shouldn't we just be writing? Exactly. Um, so they don't have that connection there. When for us, we constantly are rehearsing. We're constantly trying out new, new ideas all together in a room, figuring out what works, and then we're putting on the thing. We're putting on the play. That's that's such an important part of the process of even writing is you're trying out arguments and you're trying out different tactics and you're seeing, oh, wait, that doesn't work. Somebody just, you know, poked a hole in that argument right away. Like, what am I missing? And I think students just don't know how to make that connection sometimes. Yeah, I feel like this conversation has actually been very helpful for me um, because I've tried to impress upon my students how important discussion is in a couple of different ways when you know discussion is lagging I'll be like come on guys let's learn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is a fun class I'm a cool teacher but yeah I think that just that phrase like discussion is rehearsal for writing like so clearly gets across like this is practicing the things like in a group setting that I want you all to be doing in your papers uh, and and so often I find that like the kind of simplicity and direction that I mm-hmm. need in theater um, <laughs> is is helpful to students. Like I've often noticed that sometimes students will come in with like uh, assignment sheets that are um, confusing to them because they are verbose, which comes from a place of the. Uh, the professor wanting to help the student mm-hmm. understand what yeah. they're going for, of course. Yeah. And this um, is at UWS. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. At writing services. Um, but it's often English 1900 students coming in. But yeah, they'll come in with complex assignments that they are confused about. And generally, if you can kind of take those ideas in the assignment paper and turn them into a sentence, like instead of a long explanation about how to hook your audience and appeal to pathos some students just need you to tell them to make it interesting (laughs) (laughs) make me feel something you know yeah yeah it's that it's that direct understanding of the audience being there that like when the audience is a person who's standing right in front of you which is inherent in performance and inherent in in theater you know like getting that kind of sense across even when you're working in writing I think it's like being able to like marry those two concepts Mm-hmm. together and it seems natural to us I feel like, <laughs> to to need like okay I need to make people pay attention to this paper so mm-hmm. um, I'll start with something good but to a freshman who's studying you know aerospace something or engineering engineering or sure. nursing or whatever <laughs> um, they're not necessarily thinking in the mode of like getting people to pay attention to them Mm -hmm. um, or having that like audience awareness in their writing. And I think that's kind of it goes back to the idea, too, of like students feeling sort of empowered to to take on like the mantle of the expert. Mm. So like, you know, for theater, you're constantly taking on new mantles and putting them on and playing them out and then trying something else on. So sort of that like fluidity, I feel like comes naturally, but really giving students those kinds of tools to take on the mantle of expert. I remember one of the one of the exercises I did when I was a student, I was an undergrad, and I had a linguistics professor who was teaching um, critical theory. He was teaching critical theory and literary theory. And he had all of us separate into groups, and he assigned us one of the writers that we had read, and we all sort of had to assume 
that persona. So I got to be Virginia Woolf, which was very exciting to me. Um, <laughs> and he was he was T.S. Eliot. I think we had a bunch of post-structuralists over in the other corner. Amazing. And our job was to sort of debate this literary point um, or this concept altogether. And we would have to go back to the text, too. So we'd have our books in front of us, and we'd sort of debate back and forth. So we had to both use the text, incorporate the text, but also to a certain extent intuit or, or fill in the, the gaps of, of different things that the argument seems to be implying or what we thought it was implying. So it also built in that kind of interpretation. And it's something that you could say all day long that like, oh, what are you taking from the text? Or like, what are you filling in the gaps in this text? Mm -hmm. But you don't really get that same feeling without feeling it and like living it and having to like in the moment say those out loud yeah yeah I'm I'm looking forward to being to like doing a perhaps not asking my 1900 students to take on the persona of Virginia Woolf (laughs) don't know if they're prepared for that yet but uh uh although maybe Um, (laughs) but yeah I, I think there's such great opportunities there to for kind of a uh reflection on that process because mm-hmm. in the the moment you might not realize these techniques that you're using mm-hmm. um but after the argument has happened and everybody's kind of participated in it together or you know argument discussion yeah you can kind of especially if you have the freedom of like oh this isn't me saying this this mm-hmm. is uh, a person with or this stakeholder a person with this perspective yeah you can look back and say oh well why did you bring up um, such and such a argument like were you appealing to ethos logos or pathos mm-hmm. um, what might have been a better choice yeah um, what about your audience made you think this would get your point across yeah, um, yeah. and especially for like shy students I feel like because I was I was a really shy kid like that's why I got into theater because I was a super shy kid and if I was someone else I could express myself and I could talk and I could explore and I think about that a lot with, with students and shy students, sort of giving them the tools that they need to be able to express themselves and contribute to discussion. If, like, taking on these personas is what they need, maybe we should try that out, you know, give different options. As yeah. opposed to just going like, oh, why aren't shy students talking? It's like, how do we create a space where they feel like they can? Yeah, yeah, totally. One thing that I found was really useful um, for engaging students and sort of having them take on these sort of like performative mantles to, to understand and get in the head better of different different arguments that they're reading and different, um, different famous people that they're reading, different um, authors, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I found has worked really well and with students who are performers and with students who aren't um, and so I've had students before create dating videos. So they would they would pick a character either from a literary piece or they'd pick an author um, or rhetorician, whatever the case may be, and they would create a dating video profile. So they would dress as the character. They were supposed to pick a scene, you That's know, that, that really works for it. And then they would have to, in like a five-minute video, sort of like distill the essence of that person or the essence of that character. Yeah. Um, and it allowed them to like really get to the heart of, of what they were saying or who they were, as well as, you know, do a lot of fun, creative things. You know, people, I was always astounded by like how much students would run with it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were students who had like four different like locations that they filmed in for these videos. That sounds Amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if there's 
an opportunity because I feel like it would be a mistake to translate that exactly to the context of English 1900 <laughs> and say like ah yes make a dating video for a feminist theorist like I don't know what kind of results that would generate <laughs> necessarily I mean probably some incredible ones but um but I'm wondering if maybe in a, in a similar way if you could find like different theorists or different like readings from the class and mm-hmm. make like a commercial maybe yeah or, like just and and yeah, you could almost let the students decide what the commercial was for. <laughs> like, what are they trying to pitch us? Yeah. Kind like, of. Yeah. What, what does this group or person or whatever care about enough? And how would they try to convince the rest of us? Yeah. Um, yeah, that they're acting. And I think that's it gets back to the whole, you know, the questions of rhetoric. It's like they're acting on us. What are they trying to get us to do? Or or what are they trying to get us to buy into? Which is exactly, which is like a dating video or like a commercial. You're trying to like get someone to to buy into you to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think could be really cool. And I think that's helpful. It could be helpful um, if that sort of takes the place of a short writing assignment, maybe, because it's also practice for them for the multimodal later, potentially, yeah. as well, that it's sort of like an easy, easier assignment than the multimodal, which has to sort of build in all of this different research that you have to do. But it sort of allows them to get their, their feet wet and get a little mm-hmm. bit of practice using different media. I feel like that could be helpful. I love your idea of the commercial, though. Yeah, I'm I now that I've said that out loud, it's like, oh, and I could do this with it and I could do that with it. They could make posters. They could make, <laughs> like we could do an in-class exercise, you know, like yeah, I think there's a lot of fun things. I just the video idea in general though, taking on the persona of or rather just assigning a certain viewpoint or persona to mm-hmm. a student, I think is so helpful because I I know that it's easy to kind of get bogged down in people's individual thoughts about things and perspectives and stuff, which is are often important discussions for (laughs) people to be having, but can sometimes take away from the amount of time you're able to spend on like the construction of the argument itself um, and the rhetorical aspects of uh, your, your writing and your, content creation yeah yeah absolutely and just having them sort of get to the I think feel like creating that kind of framework Um, I feel like we we think about audience more when it comes to theater and when it comes to art and when it comes to like tv even Mm -hmm. because of I don't know if it's just that it's so short too some of it's the medium itself that it's it's tighter and it feels easier to sort of like break down who this is for but yeah even even just looking at more more performance-based things like I think about like the Super Bowl commercials too like especially with that coming around (laughs) this this semester like you know what are the Super Bowl commercials doing now make your own but make it for you know one of these movements or one of these and I I feel like it's great too because it's one of those things it's easy to do even if you don't buy in Mm -hmm. that I mean sometimes it's even funnier perhaps if you don't buy in if you pick someone that you disagree with yeah Um, yeah. but but it also reveals some of those sort of like implicit biases that you may have too and like we talk a lot about making sure that students are sort of ethically dealing with sources too like the research components making sure they aren't just like strip mining quotes or or making the argument into something it's not and I feel like that could be 
kind of useful in that respect as well. Yeah, kind of almost like a caricature mm-hmm. of the the argument, which, of course, you know, if you ask them to pretend to be on the other side of an issue, there there will always be the danger of that. But I agree. I think that asking them to really step inside that space and and convince you, uh, like mm-hmm. to do a, a, to have their um, success with that project uh, hinge on how well they can convey their argument yeah. uh, is extremely helpful and invaluable. I, actually, I watched a student once in class. I, I wasn't even doing something as well thought out as what we're describing <laughs> here, which now I wish I had. But that's um, what theater's for, right? It teaches you to think on your feet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we were we were kind of just having a discussion about stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And I asked these students, like, oh, who do you think would agree with this article that we just read? And they were listing these very vague groups and they were kind of circling like political party but no one mm-hmm. was saying it. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, okay, well, if this if this person were a politician, what party do you think that they would be affiliated with? And immediately um a student who who I know from him saying so explicitly in the past mm-hmm. uh is not a member of that particular party like called it out and then I was like oh why do you think that and I I watched this very interesting discussion kind of on his face he realized as he was articulating what aspects of that political party related to this issue Mm -hmm. sorry um as he was talking about what aspects of that political party related to this issue in more recent contexts yeah I think he kind of realized that he might not might not feel as strongly about it as he did before it was it was this odd sort of moment of conflict where he started very confident yeah um and then as I was like oh tell me more about that just got like oh I well (laughs) (laughs) um, had to really think through um which is good in all contexts I think yeah and I think a lot of a lot of focus in in performance is about like relationships and what the relationships are between people because like characters are defined by their relationships everything you are in stage is defined by your relationships to everything else and sort of like fostering that that sense of interconnectivity you know thinking about like the the rhetorical ecologies and and really thinking about it as a two-way street that in all times on stage you're there with someone else whether the someone else is another person if it's a box if it's the audience that you're interacting with and I feel like like we're taught so much in theater about listening too. And that's something that, that I've seen a lot in discussions where students are responding to each other, but they're not actually responding mm-hmm. to each other. They're responding to sort of the idea of what they think that other student might be getting at. Which is so easy to do. Uh, it's so easy to do. And <laughs> I still do it. But but just sort of like really practicing those kinds of skills too of like that that all that I am about on stage right at this moment is listening to what the other person is saying and sort of how we can build that into and frame that into our classrooms. I know some teachers have done things like have it where you have to directly respond to what that student just said. Um, And if you don't directly respond it to what that student just said, you like hop to someone else who does directly respond it, do sort of like popcorn style Mm. things. But I think about that a lot and especially with like 
like the question of like stakeholders and buying in and sort of having these assumptions of like who buys in and what that means. And then once you actually track it down, once you actually have that, that sort of conversation back and forth, you're like, oh, that might have been, that might be a little different than than what yeah. I expected it to be. Yeah, because once you drill down into an argument, you'll reach the sort of like, if, if you put yourself in the shoes of another person with a different perspective, you kind of have to drill down into the values of that person, mm-hmm. um, which we all generally share the same <laughs> like shapes of values. Yeah. They just manifest in different ways. Yeah, and the, sort of the weight that we put on different values, you know, like yeah. what is given priority. Um, yeah, and just like sort of the the sort of like doubting believing game idea mm-hmm. too that that like as an actor, no matter who you're playing, no matter how different they are than you, like your job is to believe them. Your job is to believe in what they believe, and sort of like having that experience of really putting yourself in those shoes, walking around in them, buying into to what they have. I think that like very much is getting at what the Desoy logo is trying to do. Yeah. is to make you sort of play that game back and forth. And I think any of the ways we can manifest that in the classroom really equips students with the skills they need once we send them out and say, hey, start writing this. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for uh, joining me in this conversation today. I think this was really helpful, really illuminating. Yeah, no, it's really great to sort of get to talk about how, like, being a theater artist and being an academic and a researcher and a teacher, like, they aren't two different things. Yeah. You know, and we talk about our students being holistic people. I feel like, you know, we all, we are too, so. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, share an assignment, tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Byron Gilman Hernandez at byron.gilmanhernandez at slu.edu. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina.